Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. now join me in this time as we prepare to go into the word 
Father, thank you for the opportunity and privilege that we have to be included in your family. Thank you for life itself. Thank you for this week's journey, the ups and the downs. We pray now, Lord, that you would bless us as we are here. We thank you for what we've already experienced, the songs, the scriptures, the prayers. We need a word. We need your word. We need you to change us, move on us, convict us. Speak the truth to us, Lord. Lift your human out of self. Fill us with this Holy Spirit. Bless again words that are in our mouth and meditations on our heart. That it may be acceptable in our sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. With you there is a word. Without you there is no word. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. done with the lessons on prayer this month we're opening up with a new series I want you to turn with me to the New Testament book of Revelation the second chapter Revelation chapter 2 first seven verses in your hearing unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write these things said he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear them which are evil, and that thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou has left thy first love remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place Except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God this is the word of God for the people of God I want to preach this morning from the subject when love 
grows cold. When love grows cold. Other words, when the fire go out. Old boy had a song a few years ago. He said, the thrill is gone. It's gone for good. That's the way some people treat God. And here we are still in the early parts of a new year. And for some people, the thrill is gone. The days of loving God and worshiping him and wanting to be among the people of God and serving with vigor has seemingly died down. And we have gotten into the attitude now whether we can take it or leave it. The church really doesn't matter. Relationship with God is, is a passing fad and the hip thing now is to get into the other crowd. The people who are pushing back against faith and religion. And as a result, we are finding the church in a very difficult place but not an impossible place. And God says, either you get it together or I will come and remove your lampstand. So if you think the pandemic was bad, so I'll shut it down, I'll stop it all together. And I know that you know what this experience is like when love grows cold, if you've ever had any type of relationship with another human being, you don't stay on fire all of the time. You remember what it was like in the early days when you were Google-eyed? Every time the number popped up, you go, he she called, he But over time, you look up and you see that same number, you go, oh, Lord, what they want that? That's when you know <laughs> love has grown cold. So I don't have to enumerate that to you. I think you understand what that is. But I want you to take it out of the context of just being personal and understand that the greatest experience for the Christian has been declared by the God. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart your mind, your soul, and your strength, and then your neighbor as yourself. So what, what, what has to happen here this morning is there has to be a reevaluation of your relationship with God. And I came to say what has happened to you, what has happened to the church. Don't give me that, that 
is the pandemic. That's over. Although it's not over, it is over. It doesn't stop people from going to Walmart. It doesn't stop people from going to football games. It doesn't stop people from doing anything else. The pandemic only is relevant when it comes to the church. Vaccines don't work in here. Everywhere else it goes, man, I'm good. I've been vaccinated. I've been shot. But when it comes to church, get back. No, six feet. (laughs) And it's just a sign and symptom that love for God has grown cold. And and, and we got to be warned about this. We have to understand. Now, I know and I believe that some of the love that we, some of us might have had for God may have been crushed by some other people. I'm, I'm acknowledging that, that church people have hurt church people. And we need to repent of that. That's what this whole text is all about. But let me talk to you a minute here because I want you to understand this is a letter written to the church. Yes, it is addressed to the church at Ephesus, but it is a letter written to the church of all times. And it has relevance to us even today. And it is a letter written not by John, but by Jesus. In the first chapter, John is on the Isle of Patmos. And Patmos, and hopefully we we'll visit it next month at some point. But uh, Patmos was about 60 miles from Ephesus out in the Aegean Sea. And John has been banished there for preaching the gospel. And, 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 and it, to there to crush rocks and to have even the animals to destroy his life. But while he was there, the Bible tells us he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. It was Sunday. And he was thinking about his friends at the church at Ephesus. And he fell on his knees to pray. And while he was in that meditative moment, he had a very, very unusual experience. A personal visit from none other than the Lord Jesus himself. And he said, and and he turned around because he heard a voice behind him that sounded as many waters. And he turned around and he saw it was his old friend Jesus. And it was such a frightening vision. He knew who he was because he said his hair was as lamb's wool. His eyes were as burning fire. His feet were as burnished brass as if they had been burned in a furnace. And he had on his priestly garment, his robe that went down to his feet and he had in his hand seven stars and and he says and when John saw it John fell down as as he he was dead but Jesus told him get up now I got work for you I got messages that need to be recorded and sent to the seven churches of Asia Minor so these were real churches This is not symbolic language. These are real, literal, physical churches that were located in Asia Minor. And this particular church in particular was a 
good church. It was the church of Ephesus. Uh, now, sometimes you can hear people talk that don't really understand the scriptures and they will say wrong things. When they read the revelation, they say the revelation of John. John was not the revelator. Jesus is the revelator. John is the recorder. Jesus is revealing to him what he wants him to record and send to the churches in Asia Minor. And so this particular church, and all seven letters are written to physical churches, but they represent a picture of the church as it goes into the world throughout all age groups. And so this church in particular, I want to call your attention to. Because this is the letter to the church at Ephesus. Now, the church at Ephesus is the only church that I can think of, really and truly, that got two letters. The apostle Paul wrote the church at Ephesus a letter. And now Jesus is writing the church at Ephesus a letter. And when he writes this church, I mean, he, he says some, some good things there about the church. It wasn't but two of the churches that he had nothing bad to say about. Out of the seven, but out of the seven, all of them had something wrong with them. But two of them he didn't have to put the hammer on as strong. So listen at what he's telling him here. He's commending the church. But before I lay out what he's commending the church for, he also says that he has something against the church. So he condemns the church. Now, what church is this? Is the church at Ephesus. Why was it such a good church? Because it had had dynamic pastors and teachers. The church at Ephesus come to the forefront in the book of Acts, chapter 19. If you want to do your research, read it now. The apostle Paul comes into Ephesus and he finds there a group of disciples. There was a young couple that was there, Aquila and Priscilla, who had already been there and they had been teaching. But they were not, the church had not formed. And, and then there came another great preacher who was full of the Old Testament. His name was Apollos. Now, Apollos understood everything about the baptism of John and everything in the Old Testament, but he had not heard the gospel. So Aquila and Priscilla tutored Apollos on the gospel. Now for a while the church has Aquila and Priscilla. The church has the Old Testament preacher, prophet, Apollos. And then comes the apostle Paul. And Paul finds there a group of disciples and he carries them with him into the temple. And for three months he reasons out of the scriptures in the Jewish temple. And of course, eventually the Jews grow cold and hard and they push back against Paul. And Paul then picks up his group and he moves the operation to a man's house. And for the next two and a half years, Paul labors in the gospel. And man, the church at Ephesus began to grow. All kinds of miracles was happening in the church at Ephesus. 
The word of God went into Laodicea. It went to Colossae. It went into all of the surrounding areas because Ephesus was a central location. But Ephesus was a corrupt town. Ephesus had this big temple in the middle of it that was one of the seven wonders of the world in the ancient world. It was the temple to Artemis or Diana. Sometimes in that ancient Greek Roman world, they would use double names because they didn't make a distinction between male and female. So he had Artemis as the male name, but Diana as the female name. The temple was a massive structure, wonderfully built, but it housed all kind of people. It housed the bank of Ephesus inside of its borders. So the, the, the rich people brought their money there. It also was a sanctuary for people who had gotten in trouble, criminals, murderers, and all. If they got to the temple at Ephesus, they found a sanctuary. So you had a mixed group. You got the rich on the hand, you got the crooked on the other hand. Then it had, it was filled with sacred prostitutes called priest and priestess. And you know what they were doing. They were plying their trade. So money, honey, <laughs> criminals, and everything else was going down at the church, uh, at the temple in Ephesus. So I, I want you to see com commerce and trade flowed through it. At the time, it was located right near a harbor in the day's world. The harbor has been closed and been filled with something else. But in that day, it was a strong seaport town. Ephesus was wild. And here comes a little church led by the Apostle Paul. And boy, they were on fire. Paul was preaching the gospel. The word of God was going forward. And, and, and it began to affect the economy. There at the temple of Artemis of Diana, there were silversmiths who sold little silver figurines of the goddess Diana. And business starts slacking up because the people in Ephesus, as the gospel was going out, they were bringing their magic books and burning them at the feet of the apostle. They were bringing their idols and crushing them to powder. Because the word of God was going forward. Man, the church at Ephesus, it was a little church in the middle of a corrupt town. But the church was on fire. And it should have been. When Paul left after two years, he warned them. He said, now listen, when I'm gone, he said, a grievous wolves going to come among you and going to destroy the flock, going to separate people. And divide people up. And then Paul sent Timothy. And Timothy went there. And Timothy served as the pastor. And then later on, as we can see here in the text, John, one of Jesus' disciples, had been the pastor at the church at Ephesus. So no wonder it was on fire. It had had solid teaching. It had had apostolic preaching. 
It had had the work of miracles. The hand of God was clearly all over the church at Ephesus. And they were doing big things. And Jesus says, but I got a problem with you. He said, yeah, I recognize the good things that you do. Let me help you see what some of those good things were before I tell you the problem. Look at what Jesus said. He said, yeah, I know your works. He said, I I, I know that you have been patient. And I know how you cannot even bear those who are evil. See, the, the people at the church at Ephesus, they could spot evil people. They could sniff them out. They could tell when somebody wasn't right. Now, you and I get in trouble when we try to do that today. You got to be careful trying to point out who you think ought to be in church and who you think ought not be. Jesus warned against that. He said, let the wheat and the tares grow together. He said, I got somebody else who will do that separating, but it's not for right now. I don't know how it makes you feel, but I'm glad that nobody in here could look at another person and decide you don't need to be here because you'd be pulling up somebody before they got a chance to turn into wheat. Oh, he said at church at Ephesus, he said, I'm proud of you. I know that you can't stand evil. He said, even, he said, I see something else good you've been doing. You have put those on trial who said they are apostles and have proven to be liars. See, the church had been taught. They had discernment. They had spiritual discernment. They could tell when somebody was telling the truth because they check the truth against the scriptures. I don't know what you'll be trying to use, but you ought to learn to use the scriptures. The scriptures will reveal who's real and who's not. By this, Jesus said, all men would know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love in your heart. So they knew how to discern between those who were true and those who were false. And he says, and uh, he says, you have been patient and, and for my name's sake. And you have not fainted. You have not given up. You've been on the front line. You've been doing it. He said, but, touch somebody. He said, but, 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 you, 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 I got one problem with you. And that is you left your first love. Oh, my brothers and sisters, somebody might want to wonder they hide in the world because somebody do something like that. When once you were on fire and now you have drifted to the point that you can't hardly stand it. Oh, man, let me tell you what happens. It, it, it starts with a little aggravation. Little folk get under your skin. Little thing bother you, but you don't say nothing because you want to be Christian. You don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, so you let them buy you. But you couldn't your eye at them. Every time you see them, you're looking at them funny. You're speaking under your breath. You don't say it out loud, but you're letting the stuff grow down in you. And after a while, you get to the point you do tell somebody, you know what, I can't stand such and so. What started to happening? It started to erode a little bit. And the fire that you once had begin to kind of cool down a little bit. You know how it used to be 
when, when, when Sunday morning came, you wanted to be the first one in the door. When it was my Sunday to sing, I wanted to be on the stand. When it was my time to teach, I wanted to be in the classroom. Whatever it was, but now, look at you. Because love has grown cold. God was saying, see, you know, other people might not could see it accurately, but I could see it accurately. Jesus' eyes that looked like fire, they wasn't just looking like they were fire. They were fire because he could see the truth. He could see right through those hard hearts. He could see right through those smiling faces. He could see right through those tricky games and that false pretense, that half-baked handshake that half-looking smile, that phony voice that you got, that Sunday morning face that you put on sometimes just to cause other people to think you got it going on. Jesus said, I see past all of that, and I see that your love for me has grown cold. And, and so, so here's the warning to us all today. You got to be careful as we go into the new year. It's not about me. It's not trying to impress me. It's not about trying to impress anyone else. You're going to have to look within your own heart. And you're going to have to evaluate your own life. And you're going to have to ask your own self, what is the temperature of my love for God? And Jesus says to them, he says, he said, there was a time when you were on fire. And the church at Ephesus was on fire. But now they've slipped down a notch or two. And I want to say that to us. There was a time, man, here at Greater Shiloh, the church was on fire. Man, you could feel it when you come around the corner. You couldn't hardly get a seat in here. I mean, man, we had to expand the building three times because the church was on fire. But I submit unto you today that I think that there's a little ice that has begun to slide in here. And it's not the building, it's the hearts of the people. And it's time now for you to check yourself. There was a time, man, I couldn't, come. you know how I was, Sunday morning, I can't wait. I get up, man, lay out my clothes Saturday night, shine my shoes Saturday night. Starch and iron with clothes, everything laid out because Sunday morning coming. And I wanted to be ready. Bible had been dusted. Scriptures had been read. Sunday school lesson had been reviewed. Couldn't wait to get to church on Sunday. But now we passed by the church and I ain't going over there. And it's a sign that your love had grown cold. Let me tell you something. You can't let nobody mess you up. You can't let nobody cheat you out of what God has done. Nobody does for you what God does. And nobody ought to live up here rent free. You can't let people deter you around. Didn't you hear what the black people used to say? Ain't going to let nobody turn me around and if they were talking about marching for the freedom land you're marching for the promised land and nobody ought to be able to stop you care what they said to you care how they looked at you didn't speak to you 
They ain't got no heaven to put you in. And they ain't got no hell to send you to. Even though they try to send you there all the time. How many know people in church will send you there? I'll just go to hell. But just because you want me to go, I ain't going. Listen at what the Lord says to the church at Ephesus. He said, now listen. He said, you got to remember. You got to remember how you used to be. How you used to feel about me. How you used to prepare. How you wanted to be in my holy presence. How you used to think about the duty to fellowship and worship and honor me with your life. And he said, you got to remember those early years. I mean, that's, that's why I used to like, when I was a kid, baptism. See, baptism is broke now, but in the old days, it, it, was, it was real. People, when they got baptized in the old days, man, they'd go around, they'd knock on people's door. Hey, I got baptized today. I got baptized today. I got baptized today. They wanted everybody to know. You know, and when they used to sing, have you got good religion? That they come back suddenly, Lord. Have you got good religion? Suddenly, Lord. Is your name on the road? Suddenly, Lord. Is your name on the road? Suddenly, Lord. And the church would be on fire because we recognize that sinners were being saved. Now people come, what are they coming in here for? They done done everything but died and now they showing up in here. Oh, Lord, the church going to be messed up now because she in here. But they didn't say that when you came in here. You got to remember, all of y'all to take a sanctified trip back down memory lane to when you first met the Lord. The fire that you felt. Man, I had to think about this, man, when I was working on this. I, I remember, man, the Saturday night before I preached the first time. I couldn't hardly keep still. I had to go outside and lay under the stars to be alone with God and say, God, I need to be sure that this is really you. I would worry the Lord 15, 20 times. I would wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes I wouldn't even sleep in the same bed with my folk because I wanted to be ready to preach the word. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? That's how it was for me. Now you have to go back down your own memory lane and think about where you were and how you were when you first saw the light. That's why the songwriter was so inspired. He said it was at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart was rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. And you got to go back to that place. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first believed. Take me back. Somebody got a crowd this morning. Take me back, Jesus. Let me go back to feel again what I felt, to see again what I saw, to experience again what I felt. And then not only must you remember, but then Jesus says to the church at Ephesus, you're going to have to repent. 
You're going to have to tell the Lord you, you, you're sorry for how you walked away from him. You got to tell the Lord how you, you're sorry for giving up on the ministry that he had already made clear to you that you were supposed to carry out. And let me just tell you something, what I was told when I first entered into the ministry. They said, listen, Pastor, be careful about telling people the Lord and called you because you go and people will send you back. I didn't understand that then, but I understand it now. And let me just tell you this, if you can let other people send you back, then you might not have been called. So, you know, you got to be determined that you're going to see it through. You got to be determined that whatever the Lord has given to you, you're going to hold on to his unchanging hand and you're not going to put it down. You're going to keep on going until you see what the end will be. You know, this is just another chapter in your book. And if you remember correctly and if you repent rightly, you can change before it's too late. And may I say to us this morning, we need to repent. I need to repent. If I've hurt anybody, I'm right here right now openly confessing it, acknowledging it. If I've done anything to anybody, forgive me. And I think all of us need to do that. I think the church worldwide needs to do that. I think we need to understand that we have butchered families and we've hurt people. We've hurt people, children. You've talked about other folk children and have caused them not to want to be a part of your family anymore. You've hurt people, and it's time for that repentance to take place. If we're going to see the church come alive like it should, Jesus knew what he was saying when he says, you know, you have left your first love, and your love for me has grown cold. And now, in order to get it right, you got to repent. And you, you got to remember first what it felt like, what it was like. Then you got to repent. Then thirdly, you got to do again those works that you used to do. You got to come back to church. You got to get involved in the ministry. You got to do it for real. You're not doing it to appease someone else. You're not doing it so somebody can say, oh, you look so good, you're so holy. It is not about what other people say. It's not about what other people say. Just like it doesn't mean anything when they're criticizing, you got to be careful about praise. See, I used to tell my kids, man, that there are two imposters, and you have to treat them both alike. That's triumph and disaster. You don't get too low when you lose and you don't get too high when it's going your way. You don't get depressed when somebody is dogging you out. Neither do you go rah, rah, rah because God is showing up and showing out. You try to stay at an even place and when you can stay at an even place, then God will get the glory and God will lift you. On those days and times when you can't hardly make it, God will pick up one of those feet and let you put it in front of the other and let you go back in there when you say you weren't going back. Remember one Sunday, man, I preached probably the best sermon I ever preached in my life. And it was a Sunday that I was mad. Didn't want to go to church. Then got to church and didn't want to come in the sanctuary. 
I was mad. I was upset. I was wrong. But the Lord worked on me upstairs in the old church. And I came out that Sunday and I preached the worst kind of Christian. I was talking about the prodigal son. Not the one that left home, but the one who stayed at home. Oh, man, y'all don't hear me. Some of y'all might not have gone out into the world. You might not have thrown your life away and lived in the hog pen. No, you've been right here, but you're the worst kind because you sit right here and with your Pharisaic self, look down your noses at everybody else and dog everybody else out. That's the worst kind. Party was going on. The boy didn't even want to go in. Didn't even want to go in and be with his daddy. Didn't want to go in and welcome his wayward brother back home. That's the kind of people some of us have become. And, and we need that to change. You need that to change. God wants it to change. Listen to what he says. He said, now, if you, if you remember and if you repent and if you start doing again, the things that I have given you to do, then everything is going to be all right. But listen at the warning that if you don't remember and if you don't repent and if you don't start again doing the things that you should do, then I'm going to visit you. I'm coming. And this time when I come, I'm coming to remove your, your star, your lampstand. I'm going to take you out. And I don't know how that makes you feel. God don't make idle threats. He doesn't say things to just shake us up. He's telling us what is the truth. And so it's time. God gave us this brief reprieve called pandemic. Churches everywhere closed down. Some churches still have not opened. And God is saying, if that kind of behavior does not change, he said, I'm coming. And you ain't going to have to worry about opening because I'm going to shut it down. And when I shut it down, nobody else will be able to open it. Listen, buildings that used to be for the worship of God are now pool halls. Buildings where people used to run around and dance are now places for bingo games and casinos and other kinds of things like that because God has removed the lampstand from some places. And I think that God also intends to visit individuals personally. I don't think it's just a warning to the church because the church is not a building. The church is an assembly of people. And if the people don't do right, then I think you're inviting trouble. Lord, I don't know why I'm going through where I'm going through. Well, Lord, if you get me up from here this time, I promise you I won't do it again. How many times have people said that? But listen at the warning. Listen at what, the, what Jesus says. He said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You know what that means? It simply means you better listen. You better hear the word. You better hear the warning. 
I'm not preaching. This kind of preaching don't fill up churches. This kind of preaching empty churches. So I don't care what it, whatever happens. I'm just going to be faithful to the word. I'm going to tell the truth according to what is written. I just want this church, I want you as individuals to take that introspective look on this Lord's Day while it's still early in 2023. First Sunday in a brand new month. Nobody can do it better than you. Nobody knows the temperature in your own house but you. And you know whether you like it hot and you know whether you like it cold. You know what you want. You know where you want to be in your spiritual walk with God. And I'm just telling you that it's not going to be in the next building. It's not going to be around the next corner. It's not going to be in the other community. If you can't find it here, you ain't going to find it. Because it's not me you're running from. It's God you're running from. That's what the old boys used to say. If it's love that you're running from, there's no hiding place. You can't run. You can't hide. So put your faith in loving. That's what you got to do. Put your faith in loving God. And when you put your faith in loving God and returning to first things again and finding that love begin to reverberate, finding that feeling and that desire for what is God's will, then you'll find yourself doing what God wants you to do. He gave them one more commendation even after this particular condemnation. He says, look, I, say, I know that you also hate the Nicolaitans. He said, I also hate them too. The Nicolaitans is hard from a theological viewpoint to pinpoint exactly who these might have been. But many theologians believe that it was all tied to a man whose name had been Nicholas. And he had began to lead people astray from the church. And he made a mockery of things. And, 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 and people who make some mockery and is also tied to Balaam. And Balaam worship. Remember Balaam in the Old Testament wanted to put a curse on the people of God when they were coming out of Egypt on their way into the promised land. Balaam wanted to be a prophet that got paid and, and he would do wicked things for hire. And the Nicolaitans became associated with that kind of practice. So make sure that you don't line yourself up with wrong groups. Make sure you, you, you get out of the posse Make sure you change that particular behavior. Don't be always around the gossip. Don't take your little popsicle stick and stir in the mess. And make sure that you're not spreading that kind of stuff. Because God says that's the kind of stuff that I hate. And if God hates it, God will deal with it. So yes, this is a word of warning. And the word of warning is this. When love grows cold then your service to God begins to minimize. When you don't have the same fire that you once did, you're not going to be able to blame it on other people. You're not going to be able to blame it on other folk or other circumstances. You're going to have to look deep within your own self and you're going to have to return again. And that's why you got to pray. That's why you got to repent. 
you got to say to God, restore the joy of my salvation. That's what David said all those years ago. When David realized that he was wrong, David goes to the temple and he prays. And he says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He didn't point the finger at nobody else. He looked at his own self and he understood that if there was going to be any change, the change had to come from within. And so I want to say, Lord, even me, even me today, God, even me, look at yourself. I don't care what position you hold. You got to say, even me. I don't care what you think and what other people think. You got to say, even me. You got to say, even me can be wrong. Even I sometimes can slip. Even me, my love can grow cold. Even me, I can forget. Even me, I can lose my grip on what I once had my grip on. And it's time now for us to regain that grip. It's time for us now to regroup and to reset. I think the church needs three things and I'm done. The church needs to reset itself. And that starts with the repentance. I think the church needs to restart itself. And that is to re-go again toward the work that God has given it for real. We're not superstars. We're not rock stars. We're not all of that in a bag of chips. We're just sinners saved by grace. Trying to tell somebody about somebody who can save anybody. And the church, thirdly, must refocus. We must refocus on the declared mission to go into all of the world and to preach the gospel and to baptize those who are worn through the gospel. That's what we got to do. And right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you want to make good on your moment of repentance, your moment, you do it right where you sit. You speak to the Lord in your own heart. This is not for someone else. This is for you. Just take a moment and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of me walking away or losing my grip on you, the source of my first love. I repent. I repent of any hurt that I may have caused others. I repent of any deeds that may have been done that have crippled someone else. And God, I remember what it was like when you were alive in my heart. And I want you to live again in my mind. Whatever your need is, the doors of the church are open. If you're new to the opportunity and you're looking for a church home, this can be your, your moment. This is your hour. This is your time. Doors of the church are open. You can come today by letter. You can come on your own Christian experience. You can come as a candidate for baptism. The doors of the church are open as we sing. Doors of the church are open. Stay in a prayerful mode. Stay in a meditative mode.
Hey friends, this is Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And I know by now you know about this new book that we have released. Not only have we released it, the book is here. And it's an excellent read, not just because I wrote it, but because of the content and what it conveys. It tells the story of where marriage comes from. Marriage comes from God. And I need us to know that. And if you are in love and are considering this particular path for your life, the content of this book will help you along the way. Not only do we talk about where marriage comes from, we talk about keys to compatibility, what's necessary to be effective in marriage. I have a little acronym in the book, it's called CUT, C-U-T, Communication, Understanding, Trust. That becomes the basic formula that's necessary for any marriage to be successful. Not only do we talk about those things and the keys to compatibility, we also talk about staying in love. Once you're in love, we certainly want to remain in love. And some may wonder, well, what if I married the wrong person? We even deal with that as well. So this is a great opportunity for you to make sure that you're in line with what God's will is for your life. God bless you. Please follow the prompts on the screen that you may know how to get your personal copy of this book. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.